Once again, Lord, we meet you here. You are here and we await your word and your touch. We await your changing our lives in touching us and drawing us out. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, the last chapter in the Gospel. Lots of commentators and biblical scholars question the authorship. Did John write it? Was it added later? Personally, I don't think any of that's important. I think what is important is what this final chapter tells us. And that in itself is very important. So what happens in this um, passage? We meet a number of the disciples, and they're gathered together on the north shore of the lake. Now, this is the Sea of Tiberias, but it's also known as the Sea of Galilee, and it's a ways out from the town. Jesus has appeared to these disciples how many times before this? Twice. Okay, twice before, right. In the room. And yet they still don't seem to get it. They're unfocused. What are they doing out here? And Peter finally says, well, I'm going fishing. Might as well do something I'm good at. I'm going fishing. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. So I'm comfortable fishing. I'm going fishing. And the rest of the disciples say, well, sounds like a good idea to me. We'll go with you. And so they go out, and they are out, and and it's nighttime, because nighttime is when true fishermen fish. That's when the fish were there. And so they fish in the evening, and it is now daybreak. And they are coming in. And they have how many fish? No fish. No fish at all. They're coming in hungry, they're coming in tired, and they're coming in with empty nets. And this voice from shore says, children, you have no fish, do you? Now, you have to understand, in Greek, that question is asked expecting a negative answer. Jesus knows they have no fish. He knows it. And so there's this little word like me in the Greek that goes before a question where you expect a no answer. You might have said to your kids, were you in by curfew when you knew they weren't? (laughs) And you're waiting for that no answer. That's what they expect. And Jesus knows they have no fish. So he says to them, well, you have no fish. You're almost ashore. Cast your net over to the side and see what happens. Now, I'm going to tell you, the amazing thing is that they did it. They've been fishing all night. They're fishermen. They know where the fish are. The fish are not close to shore. But for some reason, they feel compelled to do this, and they throw the nets over. The net over. It's a huge net. And it is filled to overflowing with fish, 153 fish, even though the fish shouldn't have been found there. So... John, looking on the shore, recognizes Jesus. And he says, it is the Lord. Now, 
the following thing that I'm going to tell you is one of the reasons that you know that this gospel was really written by somebody who had experienced what happened. Because we are told that Simon Peter put on his clothes, or some clothes, and jumped into the lake. Now, it clearly says he put clothes on because he was what? Naked. Did I need to know that? No! I did not need that information in my life. That was not crucial. If I had been doing the book, I would have edited that. But I didn't. It's one of the ways that we know this is real. It really happened. And so we're told that there are 153 fish in the net. Why they counted the fish, I don't know. Maybe so they could divide them up. But once again, scholars have taken the number 153 and run it every way you can to determine what it meant. And I read a few of them. But the one I like best was written by Jerome, who said 153 represented the number of different kinds of fish that were in the lake. So it would represent the number of all different kinds of people who were to hear the gospel. So they bring this in, and um, it's just after daybreak. They're gathering it, and we need to hear daybreak, a new beginning, a new day, a new dawning, a time for new beginnings. Every day, every day for us is a new opportunity. What are we going to do? Jesus is or John is drawing us into this scene about Jesus. And we find out that there's a charcoal fire lit. Now, Jesus invites them to come and eat. They, scripture still says, I don't know who it is, even though they've said it's the Lord, even though um, Simon Peter has jumped in the water. But they're still not going to ask because there's something going on there that they're uncomfortable with. It's just... Why would Jesus meet us on the side of the lake? We're going to find out. What kind of fire is it? A charcoal fire. When was the last charcoal fire in John's Gospel? A charcoal fire was burning when Peter disavows three times any knowledge of Jesus. He denies him in front of a charcoal fire. And so Jesus has put a charcoal fire there. Something is going to happen. So, wonder what's happening in Peter's mind when he sees the charcoal fire. Wonder if he flashes back to the horror of that time and to Jesus' predicting what he would do. N.T. Wright theologian and uh, bishop, calls this encounter between Peter and John, one, the encounter that's going to happen, one of the most spectacular interchanges in the entire Bible. So Jesus asked Peter three questions. And the first one is, do you love me more than these? What, what is these? Fishing? The disciples, something else, we're going to do this afternoon. Do you love me more than these? 
And Peter answers, you know I love you. You know I love you, Lord. And so Jesus, so Peter says, feed my lambs. I mean, Jesus says, feed my lambs. Well, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything, you know I love you. And if you looked into it in the Greek, there would be different words for love, and which all meant different things. But I don't want to go down that rabbit's trail today because I don't think it's really important. Jesus is asking questions, and Peter's responding, well, you know I love you. Well, tend my sheep then. And third time, do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then you must feed my sheep. Okay, three times of a denial, three times, three opportunities to reconnect, to let go of the past, to have healing come into, G- to, into Simon Peter's life. Three times. And all three times, Jesus tells him to either tend or feed the sheep. Now, I did have a call or a, a text the other day, yesterday, I think, was just yesterday. Mary Lou texted me and said, well, what's happening in the sermon this week? And I said, well, go back and read chapter 34 of Ezekiel. And so she did. And chapter 34 of Ezekiel, which Peter would have known, obviously Jesus would have known, the other disciples, they're all good Jewish boys. They know Ezekiel 34 is all about God coming and saying, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. I, God, am going to do this. I am going to make sure that it's done. And earlier in chapter 10 of John, Jesus says to the disciples that he is God, that he is there, that he is the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? He tends the sheep. He feeds the sheep. He finds the lost. He brings them in. There are all kinds of things in Ezekiel. Really, go and read it. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. What is Jesus doing here? He is commissioning Peter. At this point in time, he is commissioning Peter to lead the ministry. He is commissioning Peter to take charge of God's people. He is to care for the people, to feed the sheep. He is to be the teacher. He is to serve the sheep. So Peter, around a charcoal fire, reminiscent of his betrayal of Jesus, is empowered, brought back in to community. Not that Jesus ever put him out of community, but that Peter had withdrawn. He's brought back in. He's restored. Now, Peter's given a whole new challenge, a whole new beginning, and he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to do some of it wrong, but he will know and learn and grow, and he will know where his heart belongs, that it belongs to Jesus, that he is going to be a witness, that his story and we so often talk, I often talk about story with you, that his story will be spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So, which brings us today? May 1, a new month, a new morning, a new day, a new beginning. Every day is a new beginning. And Jesus comes to us and he says, do you love me? And each one of us has to answer that individually. Well, do you love me? We've experienced the resurrection. We wondered last week, I asked, had it changed our lives? Did we do anything different? So we are encountering something much like Peter's experience. It's so easy to fall back into old habits. Well, I'm going fishing. I know I can fish. I know I can catch fish. I know I'm a good fisherman. So easy to fall back into old habits and forget the commissioning. I mean, I do it all the time. Fall into things that are comfortable. It's easy. I'm really pretty good at croquet, for those of you who know I play croquet. It's easy for me to just make sure that that gets into my schedule maybe over something else. We all do it. Peter went back to fishing. We go back to whatever it is that we have been doing because it's comfortable. But Jesus does not want us to end there. He doesn't want to leave us there. So Jesus comes to Peter and he pushes him forward. Do you love me, Peter? Then feed my sheep, take care of them. Peter is going to be called to live What kind of love have I talked about so many times? Extravagant love. An extravagant outpouring. He's going to be asked to do that. He's going to be asked to help change the world that he lives in. The world that he lives in, so many people didn't know Jesus. He's going to be asked to help change that. You've probably heard these words. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, Use words. Well, I'm going to shatter something for you. I always thought it was St. Francis of Assisi. But I fact-checked it, and it wasn't. At least nobody can prove that it was. So nobody knows where it actually came from. But I think they are valuable words. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Often, how we live What we say, what we do, says a whole lot more. I don't mean to put what we say in there, but how how we live means a whole lot more than what we simply say. That note you write, that phone call you make, the dinner you take to someone, the little things that you do can mean so much more. So, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. But there's two more things I want you to hear in this gospel passage that I think are applicable to our lives today. And one is to expect to meet Jesus in an unexpected place. Or an unexpected manner. Jesus showed up on that shore. They didn't expect him. It's the last person they expected to be there. Jesus meets us in unexpected places, in unexpected ways. 
at unexpected times. And the second thing that I think we really need to hear from this passage is that Jesus meets Peter and brings reconciliation and healing. He does not meet Peter and say, well, that was a shameful thing you did. You said you wouldn't deny me, but you did. There is no shame in the way that Jesus reveals himself to us. He offers instead compassion and grace and power to change. He does not shame us into changing. He lives us into changing. He loves us into changing. He reaches out to us in grace and mercy to change us. So often we think that we do something shameful and he's terribly disappointed. Believe me, he's heard it all before. He's heard it all. No, instead he comes and embraces you and loves you and me and meets us right where we are today. Simon Peter is going to help change his world, and we're challenged to help change ours in little ways, in just very little, seemingly unimportant ways. We don't know how that changes someone else. Amen.